Hello and welcome to the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with. I'm Hugh Thomas, the Deputy Editor. In this episode, we'll be discussing an article appearing in our October issue, a randomised double-blind placebo-controlled clinical trial assessing the efficacy and safety of spore-forming probiotics in the treatment of functional dyspepsia. I'm joined today by Dr. Tim Van Ertzel, who is the senior author on the article. Dr. Van Ertzel is a consultant gastroenterologist at Leuven University Hospitals and an assistant professor at the University of Leuven, with a clinical and research focus on functional gastrointestinal disorders. Dr. Van Ertzel, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, you. Thank you for the invitation. Great. So uh, just to jump straight in, your study is, is looking at a new treatment in patients with functional dyspepsia. Could you just summarize what is functional dyspepsia? You know, what do we know about the disorder and, and what are the kind of the current treatment options? Mm-hmm. So dyspepsia actually refers to the presence of symptoms in the upper abdomen, which are bothersome to the patient. And these type of symptoms include fullness after a meal, early satiation and pain. And we know that in the majority of these patients, actually more than 70%, if you run a couple of standard tests, including endoscopy and ultrasound and some blood tests, in the over 70%, you will not find an underlying disease in these patients, such as ulcers or cancers or infection. And this is then what we call functional dyspepsia in contrast to organic dyspepsia. And this is indeed a very common condition um, occurring in up to 15% of the population at some point. And the problem is that, unfortunately, the treatment options are very limited and not very efficacious. So how do we treat these patients? Um, First-line treatment at this stage remains acid suppressive therapy, which is called proton pump inhibitors or PPIs, and others include prokinetic drugs and sometimes even antidepressants in case of persistent symptoms. Right, so your new treatment that you're, you're investigating is a, is a probiotic, and specifically a, a spore-forming probiotic. For our listeners out there, what is a spore-forming probiotic and, and why exactly did you choose to investigate this treatment for this condition? Oh, spore-forming probiotics is actually a new type of probiotics. We also call them sporebiotics in short. And these are probiotics, which are bacteria with beneficial effects on health. But the special thing about spore-forming probiotics is that they form these endospores, which are resistant to a damaging effect of gastric acids. And this also makes that they have a better survival in the gastrointestinal system. And also it allows them to be stored at room temperature. And the reason that we've started this study with spore-forming probiotics is that um, we know that the microbiota in patients with functional dyspepsia is altered. We have shown this, other groups have shown this. And so this really opens the opportunity to treat patients with functional dyspepsia with microbiota-based treatments. The problem is, of course, that there are so many different kinds of probiotics. And we picked this one because we were lucky to find a partner, a small Belgian startup company, which produced a very interesting combination of two spore-forming probiotic strains, which were the Bacillus coagulans My01 and Bacillus subtilis My02. And these two strains of spore-forming probiotics had already shown promising effects in preclinical studies. So the next logical step would be to test this in a clinical setting of functional dyspepsia. Given those indications of of preclinical effects, how did you go about designing your trial? What are are the key features of your trial? So we included um, 68 patients 
with functional dyspepsia according to the standard criteria, which are called the Rome 4 criteria. And they were divided into groups. Half of them received spore-forming probiotics um, twice daily and the other half a placebo formulation um, twice daily. And this was during eight weeks. It was a double-blinded study, so we didn't know which treatment they were getting and neither did the patients. And after the period of eight weeks of double-blind treatment, all patients were given sporobiotics for an additional eight weeks, so the open-label um, extension treatments. We evaluated symptoms by validated questionnaires, also developed in our group, which is called the um, LPDS questionnaire. And we collected blood samples and stool samples every eight weeks. So that was basically the design of our study. Right. Uh, and so what were then your, your key findings? So the primary endpoint of the study was the effect on symptoms, of course, because this is really what matters to the patient. And the most important finding that we had was that spore-forming probiotics were safe first, and also that they improved symptoms. Of the patients who were treated with the probiotic, 48% of them actually had a significant drop in their symptom score in comparison to only 20% in the placebo condition. And this was highly statistically significant. And moreover, what we found was, and this is very interesting, I think, is that efficacy of the spore-forming probiotics was also associated with some mechanistic endpoints. For example, we, sh we showed that the symptom improvement was also associated with a decrease in pro-inflammatory TH17 cells in the blood and also some beneficial changes in the microbiota of the feces. For example, an increase in fecalibacterium, of which we know that this is beneficial to the, um, to the patient. Right. And so with those beneficial effects in the trial, um, what are the broader implications for this work? The first implication, of course, is that this is a novel tool uh, in our toolkit for treatment of our patients. But besides this, our work also supports our general hypothesis, the hypothesis of my group, that immune activation and the microbiome are really key in the pathophysiology of functional dyspepsia. And this is quite novel and really a paradigm change because traditionally functional dyspepsia is considered as a psychosomatic condition, while now we know that this is really a condition with an organic substrate. This really is an immune-mediated disorder with a role of the probiotic, of, of the microbiota. And this really paves the way for other anti-inflammatory treatments or other treatments trying to influence the microbiome uh, in these patients. And this is, of course, good news for the patients and for the physicians treating these patients. Absolutely. So what, what do you see uh, as coming next in, in this research? Do you have any plans to take this further forward? Yes, yeah, so we are currently already doing studies really focusing on the role of the inflammatory component in the pathophysiology of functional dyspepsia with a focus on the small intestine, the duodenum. These are really studies in which we are testing novel types of treatment, trying to reduce intestinal inflammation um, and also to alter the microbiome where we really hope to find other novel treatments in this very prevalent and difficult to treat condition. Perfect. Dr. Van Ertzel, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us and, and conveying these fascinating findings. My pleasure. Thank you. You can read the article on the trial of spore-forming probiotics and functional dyspepsia online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Dr. Van Ertzel, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology podcast in conversation with... Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With wherever you usually get your podcasts.